Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we're back for we're part back, two. Back, back, back. So, of this crazy case. And y'all are getting this one on Tuesday. That's right. And you can listen to it on the way to Grandma's house. That's right. And we want to wish real quick everybody happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We appreciate and love y'all. Yeah, uh, you know, be thankful. Look, I wake up every day, and I have I have had a habit lately of being just thankful. I woke up. I guess I guess you get that way when you get get older. Yeah, we're thankful for y'all and yes, and and everything uh, that you do for us. And thank you, patron members. We love and appreciate y'all. And I just we're blessed to be here. Totally blessed, and so we're gonna. we're going to bring you back into uh, this case of William Wayne Lee Jr. And we we told you on the last week's episode, we gave you all the kind of facts of the case as it relates to the murder and su- subsequent conviction of William Wayne Lee Jr. And when we left you last week, he had been convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to life in prison inside the wire at Bloody Angola. That's right. And like... Pretty much all cases in which someone's in prison, but especially those in which the sentence is life in prison, you can expect appeals. In this case, no different. Right. The appeals took place in the fir- what's known as the First Circuit in the state of Louisiana. Right. So we're going to go through the appeals and let you know the arguments made by the defense and discuss if there were any validity to them that we see. Right. Um, so it's this is going to be kind of like an ask the expert thing. I'm going to. 
there were eight assignments of error in this case. And assignments of error, y'all, are basically where the, uh, in layman's terms, the arguments the defense are making that are relative to key points in the case where they feel like their client didn't get a fair and, shake. And that, that's the appeal. Yeah, that is the that is the appeal. They, the, they're basically saying that these are these are eight errors in the case, and therefore we believe Lee, you know, deserves, deserves another it. trial right, or, right. or have, yeah, right. Sentence totally reversed. Right, right. they could do anything. Yeah. yeah so uh, so we're going to go through those. I'm going to tell you the assignments of error. Um, and then we'll, I'm going to ask Woody's opinion. I'll give you my opinion and, uh, and you can give us your opinion. So the first assignment of error that they had in this case was that the state failed to constitutionally provide sufficient evidence to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, in every appeal, that's something you're going to see. It's a shot in the dark and refutable, at least in my opinion, because the accused was convicted by a jury of 12 people. They agreed that the evidence was sufficient to pass a judgment of guilt. To me, that's the bottom line. Right. And in this case, the court agreed. They stated when a case involves circumstantial evidence and the jury reasonably rejects the hypothesis of innocence pre presented by the defense, y'all, in this case, it was the defense claiming that she fell and hit her head after trying to remove an overnight bag. We find the defendant guilty unless there's another hypothesis that raises reasonable doubt. So basically what they're saying here, Woody, is uh, the defense said uh, that, that he was found guilty even though there wasn't enough evidence to right. prove reasonable. And and you hit the nail on the head in every case on, on appeal. This is the first thing they say. Yeah, that, uh, whether there is or they, not. They're praying that some, some you know appeals court judge is going to read it and they're like, oh, well, maybe so. But, I mean, when they do this, naturally the, the on, on appeals, the court gets to know all the facts of the case. Sure. Right? So they listen to it and – I mean, this is bullshit, but I mean, it, it's you're convicted by a jury of twelve. You're guilty. You're guilty. That, and I feel the same under, way. Under the law, yeah. Under the law, it's it's you know when these jurors sit down, um, they're told, "Look, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt." Right. If they believe it was, and then they pass their judgment or or give give their guilty or or innocent. Uh, vote. So judicial process. That's I mean, it. That's uh, that's the law of the land. That's the way it works. Right? That's it. And so they you got found based off the facts that were presented. They they found them guilty. So the second assignment of error was the defense said the trial court erred in allowing the state to introduce inadmissible evidence over the defense's objection. So Woody. Here, the defense raised several concerns with regard to the testimony that they say was hearsay. Right. And hearsay, y'all, is basically an out-of-court statement made between two parties that uh, to cooperate a story in which one of the parties is not present to confirm it. So if me and Woody have a conversation and then I go to court and I say, I told Woody this, but Woody doesn't get on the stand and confirm that he told me that, or I told him that, that would be considered hearsay. Right. They raised the issue of Ackman and Chapman specifically saying the victim mentioned she was going to break up with Lee Jr. Now, that was damning to them because it was a big part of like uh, a reason establishing why his, his he would kill her and everything else. Yeah. So, um, you know, the issue was. This conversation was being had between the person who is now deceased and Chapman. So who's to say Chapman's not right, lying right, is what right. the defense is saying. Right. Well, the court found that this testimony was admissible and cited several cases in which judgment were made for the prosecution. So they basically, you know, they had a precedent there uh, in, in which they cite these cases. Simply put, if the conversation had was had with a murder victim, then it's impossible to have exactly. both parties testify to that statement being true. The court found the witness credible and thus allowed the testimony. Right. Well, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. And it happens in every case also. I mean, dead people can't testify, right? But, uh, but 
the court does have to believe that the witness is credible. And then, furthermore, the jury has to believe that they're credible. Ah, great point. So uh, the court allows them to to testify to what, you know, what they heard uh, the, the victim say and then the when they put them on the stand, the jury has still ultimately has to make the decision whether they believe it or not. That's a that's a great point. So we'll and we'll move on to that to the third assignment of error, which was with regard to discovery. Now, discovery, y'all, is part of the law where prosecutors must provide the defense copies of materials and evidence that the prosecution intends to use at trial. It's it's so they don't have that surprise factor. Like, so they compare the defense. Exactly. Yeah. You can't defend something if you don't like, know it's like coming. The doctor, you know, the, they they got the autopsy report, so they hired this doctor out of Georgia to say to counteract it. Right. And and so uh, discovery is a very broad spectrum, and there's parts aspects of discovery that the defense. Uh, argued uh, as being unfair to their to their client. And the defense basically said that discussing previous crimes that the defendant made against the victim unduly prejudiced the defendant. However, the court disagreed. They stated that many of those facts did not rise to the level of undue prejudice when balanced against its prohibitive value. So basically, the fact that it was known far outweighed the hurt it would have caused the defendants. And I'm on the fence on this one. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you why. I've seen a lot of cases where evidence was not allowed in because it did not relate to that specific case. So on that side, I could see the defense arguing it. However, it speaks to uh it speaks to how how this guy, I guess what I'm trying to say is it speaks to his attitude with this lady and yeah, how their relationship the thing, was. The thing is, it, it had to be allowed in because it's part of the case. Yeah. It's not like, the, I mean, they're establishing this guy's an, an asshole, he's abusive, he's jealous, and um, just like her saying that she was going to break up with him and, and Miss Ackman saying, don't do it when you're alone, right? Yeah. And, and, the, and the choke collar and all that, that that's like, I mean, you have to get that in, and in the court, the y'all they would have had before the trial. It's just not like they showed up in trial and did this. The court they had hearings, and, and they would have objected to it ahead of time. And the judge has to make the decision to let that testimony in. Yeah. So, and look, the court agrees with you on that one, and they basically said, you know, that was bullshit. Lack of a better term. What are you going to do? But be like, oh. oh this guy just knew this girl. That's it. Yeah. But, and, and he was with her, whatever. I mean, you, you establish a pattern. It's, it's, you know, circumstantial, whatever, but I mean, it didn't, you had to get it in. I mean, it's part of the investigation. That's right. And, uh, so they went on with a fourth assignment of error and they, that fourth assignment of error was with regard uh, to write to present a defense and specifically in this case to defend the defendant against some photos that were shown at the trial. Now y'all six photos were presented. The photos were mostly nudes of the victim in various dominatrix type poses, including collars, etc. The defense was not allowed to specifically speak on these photos, according to them, and said the jury was influenced as to the character of the defendant. I personally call BS on this one, and the court did as well. They said the photos, including them, did not prevent the defendant from making his case, for instance. So um, I can see them saying that hurt his character. Yeah. You know, if you're but, if you're someone not into that, but, yeah. But again, they're establishing his character. That's the yeah. main thing, right? I mean, that the, that's evidence. Uh, certainly, everybody on the jury is not into being you know beaten and and choked and all that stuff. But they were, and it shows his uh, propensity for violence. And they, you know, they had every right at the trial to 
talk about that, right, and they, right. apparently it chose not to. Right. So you had a right to defend those photos. I mean, even if it was to stand up and say, hey, yeah, we were into that. You know, it right, was, right. It was it our was, thing. But it wasn't, it, you know, I never killed her before. Right. Was, yeah, there's a, an accident. there's a big step between those right, two, right? right. So um, the fifth assignment of error was with regard to the autopsy photos always, being shown. Always going on. So here the defense said that they should not have been admissible because they were more for shock value and they had no real evidence based value. That, mm. that you're, you're, Bullshit. That you're establishing again, but what happened to the victim and you have to show it. Uh, uh, but yeah. Are autopsy photos horrible? Hell yeah, they're horrible. But yeah. guess what? You, murder's horrible too. You got to show what, how the murder happen why is it listed as as a homicide and they they would have showed the brain and and the the marks on her and everything else i mean it's just part of shit there's nothing nice about a murder trial that's right yeah but it's not it's all ugly it's not like they put it up there uh um you know, just just to make these people mad at this dude. They were yeah. actually trying to establish how she died. Yeah, there was a reason and a purpose right. to it. Uh, the sixth assignment of error was with, with regard to improper search, uh, specifically evidence obtained by search of the house without a warrant. Now, the defense, Woody, actually tried to claim that police had no right to come in the house. Of course, the appeal court, they reminded the defense that y'all were the ones who called 911 yeah. to report the death, right. as well as the ones who opened the door and let the police in. Right. You don't have to have a warrant when you're allowed right. into a residence. Right. And, and, and and he didn't know at the time he was going to be charged with murder. Obviously, he bathed her and, and did whatever. Uh, um, so, I mean, like I said, they called 911. They let him in. You let him he, he in. He was hoping that he was going to get away with them, you know, thinking, oh, she just fell. That's right. And then, so the seventh assignment of error was motion to suppress. Now, in this case, the defense argued that the statements made to the sergeant, remember we told you the sergeant uh, was talking to the defendant that night, uh, the statements were made when the body was discovered and the defendant was not read as right. However, the court said the statements were made voluntarily and offered to the sergeant without the sergeant even having to ask and thus were admissible. So what do you think about that? I'm kind of iffy on this one because the sergeant, he's been around for a minute. Now you can make an excited utterance. um, You know, oh, she fell, da-da-da-da. And the second you begin to think something's fishy here, you need to buy some of the Miranda rights. So this doesn't get brought up on appeal. And uh, I mean, which it did. Right. 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 And, and, but uh, the court stood firm for him. But I, you know, soon as I was on the scene and and I'm thinking, Oh, this might be bullshit. I'm going to buy some of his rights. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and just to give you a scenario, if, if you pulled up to a scene and there's a guy standing outside and you get out of the car and he says, I just killed my wife. Right. You don't, you haven't had time. Right. right, right. Yeah. That's excited utterance. um, And you don't even know what's going on at at that point in time. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it's kind of a gray area that you, you want to, keep people talking so they can hang themselves. And you know what? at that time though, he didn't know for sure that yeah. the guy was lying. So what he, what he says, that's a little gray one on that one. Huh? Gray. There you go. I like that. And I, I can see some gray in there as well. I would be apt to agree with you now, but you know what? Even if it hit shut up, they still would have been able to prove in my opinion, they've been able to the autopsy and the other witness statements and everything else. So, yeah. Very good point. Um, and the eighth and final assignment of error, error related to the trial court denying a new trial for pretty much all the reasons I just told you above. And the assignment uh, was also found as bullshit by the court for all the reasons I just told you above. So after appeal, after the appeal, uh, the conviction was affirmed on March 26, 2008. And in Angola, William Wayne Lee Jr. would sit. Yep. 
for Stop behind the wire for murder. For murder, and then it gets even more interesting. The plot thickens. Boy, did it thicken. Mm-hmm. So, y'all, twenty years later, something happens. More specifically, Act One Hundred Four is passed in the Louisiana Legislature. And Act 104 basically allows judges to alter sentences for the convicted based off the referral of a district attorney. So some newly discovered evidence came out 20 years after Lee Jr. was convicted in 2020. This is when it came out in 2020 regarding the fact that Miss Bland had MS, which was unknown. And it was the defense contention that, had the jury known at the trial, it, it would have explained why she fell and changed the verdict. Now, the defense met with the district attorney, and he agreed. But rather than give a new trial to Lee Jr., he offered to endorse to the judge that a new sentence of 35 years for manslaughter be imposed and his life sentence vacated. So Lee Jr. naturally took the deal, and a judge agreed to it, and boom, with time saved, by uh, time served, Lee Jr. was about to get released. But they did not count on one thing. A fight from the then Attorney General Jeff Lander, who's now the governor, uh, um, the governor-elect. So Jeff Landry challenged the reduction of charges and sentenced all the way to the Louisiana Supreme Court. That's huge. That's a huge. I, I've never heard of. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash bloodyangola. And watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash bloody Angola. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That that is huge. So we're going to read a couple of articles to you now. Um, one is going to be in favor of Act 104, and one is going to be against it because we want to give you uh, both sides of that argument. So I'm going to read the first one. That's going to be the uh, against uh, against the decision. In regard to Act 104, and then Woody's going to read, I guess, the four version of that. So this article was in uh, New Orleans newspaper, and it is written by a guy by the name of Will Sutton, 
who was a columnist that will credit him. And it says Jeff Landry plays fears, plays on fears as a man suffers in prison. If you live someplace facing an uptick or rashing crime, you're likely concerned enough that you want to see somebody, anybody do something, anything. The problem is that this is a fear response. It's a desire to see an end to crime. When we operate basically based strictly on emotions, we want someone to calm our fears. We want to feel better. We want to feel safe. So uh, Landry wants to reject a move by District Attorney Warren Montgomery, who prosecutes cases in St. Tammany and Washington parishes. And y'all, St. Tammany is, uh, what, about 40 minutes from Baton Rouge? It's in between. About, about an hour, uh, hour and 15 minutes. It, it butts up to the uh, Mississippi State line and is directly across the lake from uh, New Orleans. Yeah, very, very well put. And, uh, and so you can get your bearings on that. Now, a new law allows prosecutors to slash prison terms for some long serving inmates. Montgomery of the 22nd Judicial District used the law to give William Lee a second chance. Lee has been in prison for 20 years after a St. Tammany Parish conviction for a 2003 murder. Montgomery agreed to reduce Lee's conviction from murder to manslaughter after learning the victim's brain showed signs of multiple sclerosis. The change will reduce Lee's sentence from life to 35 years. That's a big difference. Landry doesn't like the law. Sponsored by State Senator Gary Smith, a Democrat from Norco, and drafted by the Innocence Project in New Orleans and the Jefferson Parish District Attorney Paul Connick's office, the Louisiana District Attorneys Association supported the measure. No one in the legislature voted against it. The statute allows prosecutors to amend convictions and sentences as long as they get approval from a judge. Montgomery said that this law is one of the t- one tool in his toolbox. It's the law, and he wants to operate in line with the state constitution. That's why he welcomes Landry's challenge. Uh, if he feels the law is unconstitutional, let him litigate it, Montgomery said last week. What's important to me is we enforce laws that are constitutional. So Landry's entire uh, stance on this, y'all, was he felt like it violated the Louisiana Constitution, and, right. and, and he had a problem with that. Um, prosecutor, prosecutors across Louisiana have used that tool to provide post-conviction deal adjustments since the law went into effect. Montgomery has used it twice. Connick has used it once. Uh, so have Caddo Parish District Attorneys James Stewart and Orleans Parish District Attorney Jason Williams. Lee was having an affair with Audra Bland, a married woman. Lee said she fell down and suffered a head injury while drunk. The jury didn't believe him and voted unanimously to convict him of murder. Fortunately for Lee, Bland's brain had been in a jar. Boom, y'all didn't know that part. Bland's brain had been in a jar, preserved in formaldehyde, at the St. Tammany Parish Coroner's Office. Montgomery authorized an expert review in 2020, and according to to a motion, Dr. Jonathan Arden found plaques visible to the naked eye in the frontal lobe of Miss Bland's brain, which are consistent uh, with MS. That information would have helped Lee at trial. A post-conviction deal was discussed and an agreement reached. District Attorney John Keller approved it. If it were me and some new evidence was revealed after I had been convicted, I would want the appropriate officials to consider what that might mean for my sentence and the rest of my life. We can debate the parameters and roles of district attorneys. We can establish the laws that govern their work. Post-conviction reviews are appropriate considerations. Some, like in Lee's case, could lighten the emotional stress of serving a long prison sentence for a crime with mitigating circumstances. At some point, we have to respect and trust our district attorneys enough to believe they are acting in good faith. If we don't like their approach and decisions, we get to decide that it's time for a change when there's an election. So that was that was kind of a, a uh, article against 
what Jeff Landry was attempting to do. And now Woody's going to read you kind of the, you know, an article that is, is more based for. Right. So y'all, this is titled Louisiana Supreme court debates who has power to change verdicts. Attorney general, Jeff Landry, a candidate for governor says only the governor can do it. The power of Louisiana judges to vacate a guilty verdict or prison sentence and fashion a different outcome at the request of a DA for any reason drew a spirited debate at the Louisiana Supreme Court on Tuesday. The justice appeared split over Attorney General Jeff Landry's challenge to a 2021 law that was backed by the Louisiana District Attorneys and granted broad discretion for judges to grant post-conviction plea deals reached by prosecutors and defendants. The law endorsed a practice that DAs have employed for decades across Louisiana with the blessing of local judges for reasons that vary. But Assistant Attorney General Grant Willis argued that the legislature went too far in the Act 104 by usurping the governor's sole authority to grant clemency under the state constitution. It is literally an act of grace by the judge, Willis said. There's no legal decision a judge has to make. He can decide he, he can decide he wants to, he doesn't want to, completely arbitrarily. Landry challenged Landry's challenge came in the case of William Wayne Lee, who was convicted of murder in St. Tammany Parish, but granted a reprieve last year by District Attorney Warren Montgomery. Citing the new law, Montgomery agreed to reduce Lee's conviction from murder to manslaughter and his sentence from life to thirty five years over the death of Audra Bland. In 2003, from a head injury, uh, District Judge John Keller approved the deal after a January hearing prompting Landry's challenge. The fact the law shares a similar characteristic of clemency does not at all mean that it intrudes on the governor's power, argued Lee's attorney, Nick uh, Trenticasa. It just shares a similar characteristic but it is vastly different in all respects to the clemency process. Though a St. Tammany case is at issue, the impact may be felt most acutely in New Orleans where District Attorney Jason Williams' office has cited the law to grant relief to long-serving inmates in scores of cases. Elsewhere, Trini Costa told the justices, prosecutors statewide have halted its use pending the high court's decision. Chief Justice John Wermer viewed the legal challenge less as an attack on prosecutors than one on the judiciary that he leads. In truth, and in fact, what you're impairing is the authority of the judiciary, right? He asked. Wehrman argued that the practice enshrined in the new law isn't akin to clemency. The governor's pardon powers are virtually limitless, Wehrman noted, while judges are restricted by the cases or disputes presented to them. The judge doesn't wander through the jail handing out grace, does he? He's got to wait for this case, Wormer said. But uh, others on the court were more skeptical. Justice Will Crane noted that the same court last year refused to make a ban on a non-unanimous jury verdicts retroactive. He suggested that DAs could freely thumb their noses at that, that, at that ruling. And under the statute, can a DA come in and exonerate all of these defendants that did not get retroactive application? Crane asked. One could, both sides agreed. The court found it is not retroactive, Trinacosta said, on the split of a jury ban. That does not take away a district attorney's power to resolve a case that may need resolving. Paul Bonham, a former appeals and district court judge, sat in for Justice Jefferson Hughes who heard Lee's case years ago as an appellate court judge. Bonin piggybacked off of Crane's argument, saying he found no basis in the new law for assessing the validity of a judge's decision and no chance to review it. That's what makes the governor's power of clemency so powerful, is that it's unreviewed. It is totally within his discretion, Bonin said. When you create something in the judicial branch that mimics it, it's the exact same thing. But Justice Piper Griffin, a former Orleans Parish civil court judge, cast out on the limits of a prosecutor's power in Louisiana without any review. What's the difference between this 
in a DA's decision to dismiss charges prior to any prosecution, prior to any trial, or simply to choose not to prosecute, she asked. That's an office making the decision, and it's done. Well, uh, this is interesting. Is right. Oh my gosh, y'all! This is major stuff right here. And to answer that person's question, I would say I would respectfully disagree with that person and say the difference is a jury uh, already decided a sentence and already convicted based off of a specific charge. And so the difference between a district attorney uh, choosing to even prosecute a case is. This has already been through the jury process. Right, right. There is a difference there. That's and that difference. person, I, I would imagine, knows that. Um, so let me catch you up on this real quick. We just read you those two articles. Now, the reason that this went all the way up to the Supreme Court is originally uh, the then uh, Attorney General and the Governor-elect, Jeff Landry, had appealed it. And so it goes through an appeals court. The appeals court denied his uh, claim, but it wasn't so much as the 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 uh, you know the claim itself. There was some timing issues that the appeals court uh, disputed, and they didn't. I think one of them was he turned in the writ too late right. uh, for some reason. So they they denied it, and he said, "Okay, if you're going to deny it, I'm going to take it all the way up to the Supreme Court in Louisiana." That's what he did. So on September 8th of 2023, just a couple of months ago, y'all, the Supreme Court made what I would say was a historic ruling on this case. And the attorney general's appeal, I'm sorry, the the uh, the cases, the case was reversed and it was. So you had a situation where the appeals court allowed Lee to change his uh, to change and get this plea of manslaughter in 35 years, the Supreme Court overruled that and said, "No, you can't do that. It is unconstitutional." And they basically reinstated and reaffirmed his sentence. So Woody has the press release from that that we're going to read you now. Right, y'all. And this is comes from Justice, which we use. I use a lot, and and. The original real life real crime because they have so many um, interesting detailed facts. But I'm gonna read it to you. Uh, it's Louisiana versus Lee Justice Opinion Summary. In October 2003, the state charged the defendant William Lee Jr. with one count of second degree murder, and in 2007, a unanimous jury found defendant guilty as charged. The trial court sentenced the defendant to life imprisonment at hard labor without the benefit of probation, parole, or suspension of sentence. The conviction and sentence were affirmed on appeal in October 2021. The defendant and district attorney filed a joint motion to amend the conviction and sentence pursuant to Louisiana CCRP Art 930, uh, 10. And in the motion, the party stipulated to certain facts relating to the cause of the victim's death. They agreed that the new evidence attained in May of 2020 would have bolstered the defendant's case at trial by supporting the defense theory that the victim's fatal injuries were caused by her falling on her own accord. Based on this new evidence, the parties agreed that a fair and just resolution of the case could would be to amend the defendant's conviction from secondary murder to manslaughter and for the court to vacate the life without parole sentence and impose a sentence of 35 years imprisonment at hard labor. The district court granted the joint motion, vacated the defendant's second-degree murder conviction, and the previously imposed life without parole sentence accepted the defendant's guilty plea to manslaughter and imposed the agreed-upon 35-year sentence with credit for time served. In March 2022, the Louisiana Attorney General filed a pleading entitled Motion and Incorporated Memorandum to Vacate Post-Conviction Plea Agreement as Unconstitutional. The Attorney General argued that Article 930.10 of the Code of Criminal Procedure unconstitutionally permitted courts to grant clemency to criminal defendants, a power that was expressly and exclusively granted to the governor. To this the Louisiana Supreme Court concurred and reversed the district court and reinstated the defendant's second-degree murder conviction. 
Wow. That's crazy. Bro. That is. And, and uh, we told you that was a roller coaster. And now... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When this stuff went to the Supreme Court, it's important to mention there were some dissenting opinions. And, and any time it goes to the Louisiana, whether it's the Louisiana Supreme Court or the uh, federal Supreme, you know, the actual federal Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, right. um, the dissenting opinions are in disagreement of whatever that ruling ended up being. In this right. case, I, I think it was five to two. Um but uh, there were a couple of dissenters, um, and I think it's important, look, to cover the dissents. And so I'm going to cover one of those. This is a little lengthy, but it is absolutely imperative that this be said and and uh, quoted from from the dissenting uh, from the one of the dissenters, and being the judges, y'all, being the judges, and. Um, and so in this case, it was C.J. Weimer, who is one of the Louisiana Supreme Court justices, and he relied a lot on um, the reasoning of the 22nd Judicial District, who denied on appeal. Remember, we told you that uh, the 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 uh, attorney general appealed this and it got denied, and that's why it had to go up to the Supreme Court. So. Weimer dissented and he said the attorney general's writ application should be dismissed. Although this case presents an important constitutional issue, there are numerous procedural obstacles which prevent this court from considering the merits of this issue. Um, and uh, he went on to say that um, first and foremost, the attorney general is seeking review of a district court judgment that has already become final. The attorney general filed a motion on March 9th of 2022 to vacate a post-conviction plea agreement, which was accepted on January 19th of 2022. No challenge to the January 19th, 2022 ruling was filed within a 30-day window. Remember, we told you there was a timing issue there. That's all it was. Um, equally fatal to the attorney general's application was its lack of standing. And this is where it gets important. This court cannot reach a constitutional issue unless the party seeking a declaration of an unconstitutionality has a standing to raise a challenge. The attorney general has a duty to uphold laws as written and has no interest or right to test the constitutionality of a statute, having no authority to attack the constitutionality. And he goes on to a list of a, a few cases uh, therein. Then he says, despite his unsuccessful post-conviction attempt to have the court authorize an examination of Miss Bland's brain by a new expert, the district attorney and defendant on 20, December 11, 2019, filed a motion jointly seeking a court's permission to allow defendant's new expert, Dr. Arden, who we told you all about, to inspect and test Miss Bland's brain, which was granted. Dr. Arden's examination occurred in 2020, and a supplemental report was issued. In his report, Arden indicated that his visual inspection of Ms. Bland's brain revealed she suffered from chronic MS. Dr. Arden opined that the brain pattern of brain contusions that I have now observed directly confirms my conclusion that Ms. Bland sustained her blunt head trauma by falling and hitting the back of her head against a firm stationary surface such as the ground. 
According to Dr. Arden, Miss Bland's fatal head injuries were not caused by being struck by another person, which mechan- mechanism would not result in the uh, cor- cordial brain contusions that were discovered. Dr. Arden opined that the defense account of the circumstances and timing of causation of the fatal injuries by an accidental fall of Miss Bland when they returned home near dawn was highly consistent with the forensic evidence. Dr. Arden's findings were presented to the district attorney for consideration uh, and for post-conviction relief based on actual innocence. Shortly thereafter, the district attorney and counsel for the defendant filed a joint motion to amend the defendant's conviction, in which they did. Uh, and that's when the uh, the the attorney general got involved. Uh, another important thing to mention on that was in a joint motion, the parties acknowledged that the state's case against the defendant was based on the coroner's testimony and circumstantial evidence that the head injury was caused by the defendant. While the defendant argued the injury to the back of the head was caused by Miss Bland falling backwards on her in a cord and hitting her head on the driveway. Based on Dr. Arden's discovery, the parties agree a fair and just resolution of this matter may be to amend the conviction. So in all of that, basically what uh, what the court, this dissenter was saying was um, he was laying out the case that that is why the district attorney uh, had the judge change this sentence. There's a lot to that. It's a lot. That is a, you know, when you really wrap your brain around that, I, my personal, I personally agree with the attorney general in that the only person who really has that power is the governor. Right. Uh, because to me, that is clemency. Right. Um, to me, if look, if there's a and, and I would say this needs to be looked at a little harder, yeah. but you can appeal to the governor for that. Right. What, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I know that. Uh, first of all, it's, it's just strange that the attorney general goes after district attorneys. And I, I'm not saying he's wrong, but the think about that. Mm-hmm. You're on the same side. Right. right and in AG's office, uh, you know, and the attorney general they prosecute people also for um, the different crimes. But the fact that you know they, it's just, I just know they've always done it. I mean, it seems like to me, and it's done all over the country that um, if the DA and the defense agreed to something, the new evidence that comes up in. And then they you know, said, "Well, why waste of time going back to trial and all this stuff?" And you know, you know, give them thirty five years at, and take it from life. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see what's wrong with that. If 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 the DA agrees, I mean, the DAs, I know they make deals every day pre-trial and stuff like that. But this is post conviction. The district attorney's office knows this case and this guy still has, he's been down 20 something years already. He's probably going to be eligible for parole pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it. Uh, it is, it is absolutely intriguing. But, but it, 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 real, real quick one. If he was really innocent, then uh, um, you're probably, I don't know. You know. Would you take the 35 years if you're really innocent? Or would you just keep fighting it? I think with the honestly, I would have took that deal. Yeah. And the reason I say that is he was already in jail twenty years, right? So, so he's you know, getting credit for time served. And it, he's eligible for parole. He's eligible for parole yeah. right away. Yeah. I would have took it um, because you do take the risk if you go back to trial that you, you're not you're right. ending up with life anyway. So right. I, I I do see the defendant's point of I want to take this deal, and I would have took it as well if I were in a situation whether I was guilty or not. And, and when I'm, now I'm thinking, I guess they were exhausted all the appeals. That means you can't get a new trial based off this new evidence. Well, that's, that's the, the route. That's, that's, the, that's the, the question. And our and our guest that will be on here next week. We're that would be a great question right. to ask. Right. Right. right? Well, so. We're not going to tell you who, but uh, we'll tell you at some point. <laughs> You'll know. Um, but I want to. I want to go on and and as we told you, this was appealed initially in district court, and they brought up some good points as to why they denied the attorney general's appeal. And 
Um, basically, what the district court said was to sort of re- reiterate that the bill in question was drafted by the Louisiana District Attorneys Association, I guess with the help of the Innocent Project in New Orleans. It was supported by the Louisiana Sheriff's Association as well as the district attorney's office for at least Jefferson Parish and others that I am aware of. That was one of the dissenters in district court. I think significantly that Article 930.10, uh, and that's the issue here, whether or not it's constitutional or unconstitutional. It was passed by both houses and it was signed by the governor on June 4th, 2021. Since this is a constitutional issue and something that was drafted and approved by the legislature, I believe there is a presumption that it is constitutional. So the burden would be on the attorney general to prove that it's not constitutional. The attorney general's office argues that the statute violates the separation of powers because it it interferes with the governor's right to clemency. But I disagree. I find the article does not interfere with the separation of powers and does not infringe upon the governor's right to issue clemency. I view it more as a comparison to the DNA cases where this case, where in this case, there was at least allegedly some new evidence that was found that could not that would could not necessarily, but could result in an acquittal and may have affected the jury's decision. So I'm going to stop right there. That's a good point. What's the difference in this and DNA when it was, especially in its infancy and then coming out and all these people getting new trials, the governor wasn't granting clemency. They were getting new trials based off of new evidence. That's what I was talking about. That's my question. Um, the, uh, so that, and, and, and good like, point, uh, just, just because she had MS doesn't mean doesn't necessarily mean her. that and it doesn't mean that he would, he would have got off. Uh, but is, is it enough evidence? I mean, DNA is irrefutable. It, it comes back. Uh, you you brought up a good point. Billions, one, one chance in billions that, yeah. um, that, you know, that DNA is wrong. It's a heck of a lot more right. evidence to require and I also, than this. The, all the autopsies and everything, situation. they actually take the brain out. That's the first thing they do. They take the brain out and they weigh it and they look for any deformities and stuff like that. If you, if you find these uh, subdural hematomas in the brain, why, why didn't you see the MS stuff? Yeah. Oh, know. And, and, good. And, and another they, good point. They could have had their, their own pathologists, their experts. And why didn't he see it? See, this is why we do this together, yeah. y'all, because yeah. points are like that. Are, and that's a great point. Why didn't that come up initially? Um, so, and I'll continue on. Under the statute, the defense could go to the district attorney and see if they would present new evidence to them. And then the district attorney has a decision. They can either turn them down at at turn them down at that point as far as asking them for a new trial or they could proceed and there are safeguards to it. I don't see this as tossing the jury's finding out. I see it as being used in a situation like this where uh, there's possibly new evidence that could result in a new trial. So in this case, the district attorney at least uh, at one point was impressed enough with the possibility of new evidence that they proceeded under Article 930.10. And again, I just find this does not violate separation of powers. That is my ruling, so I find it unconstitutional. Man, that's a tough one. It, says, I mean, it's it really is, but I think you just made the point of all points when I because the DNA was where I had an issue. And I'm like, well, they do this with DNA cases. Yeah, but that's irrefutable. That's the point. Yeah. That is a great point. Something I hadn't considered. And, 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 and they, uh, I'm going back even further to their own expert. If the pathologist missed the MS back then and their own expert missed it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would have been looking for anything. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's even her brain. How, how do you keep somebody's brain for that long? Yeah. I don't understand that. Cause normally what they do, they'll, and take, why? They take, they'll take slices in autopsies, they'll take slices of each one of the, uh, the organs or whatever like that, and they'll preserve those, mm-hmm. but they don't preserve the whole fucking brain. Well, and, and, the, and the point of the matter here it, as well, and it, and it speaks to your point, is um, even if she had MS, right. uh, that doesn't mean he didn't do it. And then nobody put on any testimony that she, that she was always falling down or anything like that. Ah, another yeah, good point. The, the, yeah, um, you didn't hear 
Uh, she had a habit of following. Right, and she was clumsy. She, she was diagnosed with them. Yeah, I mean, whatever. God, oh, those are good points. And this is a tough case. And that's why we have an expert coming right. on next week on we this do. case. You better believe it. And she is absolute fire. We look forward to having her on. And we, uh, you know, I'm sure y'all are a lot like us. You didn't even know this existed. Right. And, uh, and so we're going to wrap this series up next week. Uh, but if you have any opinions on it, uh, post them in the comments when we post right. these videos and we would love to know what our listeners think yeah. about all this. Yeah. Cause there is definitely two sides to this story, right? You or know, on the fence, that's it. It's crazy. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, Woody Happy Overton. Thanksgiving, I want to see Jim you for Chapman. Thanksgiving, Love you but Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be eating good. I'm going to eat something good. <laughs> good I hadn't meat. decided. You know, we do for Thanksgiving. We in Christmas, we don't always do the turkey thing. Yeah, uh, turkey makes me really tired, man. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it you know wipes me out. It, a lot of times, we'll do Cajun dishes. Yeah. Uh, things like that. I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. But I usually Normally, cook the main dish. Until last year, every year I would fry turkeys yep. in, in, on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And um, in, you know, my family would come eat and all that stuff, and my parents and, I, and what have you. It's just been tradition. But last year, I messed around the week before Thanksgiving, and I, inject, I always inject my birds for a fry. Yeah. This time I injected Louisiana hot sauce, and they really need to sponsor me because I use that on everything. <laughs> and and I put it on Give the smoker. Put it on the smoker, and holy fire! I'm like, I'm never frying a turkey again. Come on! It was that good. Yeah. And it was an accident. Yeah. A, a pure accident. I hadn't holy fried a turkey cow. since. So man, there you go. You heard it here first. Hot sauce in your turkey. In your turkey. And man, let. Inject it all up with a Cajun injector and uh, say mom. Say mom. That's good. (laughs) That sounds good. And we want to wish, uh, obviously, all our listeners out there, we love and appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Uh, We're thankful for you guys and every every single day. And and uh, Patreon members, thank you too. Yes, absolutely. If you want to become a Patreon member, go to. Uh, patreon.com and type in bloody angola that's right or or you can listen on apple podcast uh right. uh as well uh, uh for those early releases and and commercial free commercial free early release episodes all the bonus stuff sign that up you get for that. And everything else yeah so we appreciate all of y'all and until next time i'm jim chapman and i'm woody overton your host of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Peace. I walk a straight line, shackled chain. Penitentiary Just ask the Hill string gang Wrangle the three I'm here for life I'm here to die Inside these walls Inside the wild Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.